Welcome to PWAC, everybody. Friday night teaching, soon to be, as in the day after tomorrow, Sunday services at 10 o'clock. I want you to come back and enjoy. Friday at 7, Sunday at 10. Now, our message tonight, we're going to start off, we're just going to have a little interaction from people, okay? Uh, next screen, please. Okay. I'm going to just, we're going to do some suggested message titles, okay? Today's message could be entitled... Leaving on a jet plane. Now, for those of you who are, say, around my age-ish, does that bring back any memories? Okay. Okay, trivia time. Who was, who, let's, let's sing the song first, okay? Leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. <laughs> okay, that's really all I could remember, okay? Now, who sang, who, which 1960s group sang that song? Okay. All right. Cool. Could call it that. Could call it the next slide. What is it? Breaking up is hard to do. Okay, now. <laughs> Neil Sedaka. Would you like to help me sing that song? Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take your love away from me. Don't you leave my life in misery. Something like that. And that's all I know. Okay? Okay? Matter of fact, when this one come, on, come along, I was in transition from uh, hard rock to country. Okay? So I kind of missed that one. All right. Now, neither of those two will work. But however, this one is very appropriate. It's called the offensive word. Take your Bibles if you got them to John 6. 61 and 66, or if you didn't bring them, we have luckily provided them for you on the wall. Isn't technology cool? Now, you need to bring your Bibles and your notepads. Matter of fact, you could even bring your laptops, okay, if you want to, next Sunday. Well, this coming Sunday, you can bring your laptops. This is the passage of Scripture. John 6 is where Jesus fed the multitude. He fed the 5,000 on the hillside, and you know, he took a little lad's lunch, and he broke it and blessed it, and he fed everybody. They were all full, and he took up 12 baskets of fragments, okay? And so this, what we're going to be talking about tonight, we're going to go you on back up in the chapter and talk about some things, but the, but the nuts and bolts of it is this, is after they were all fed and full, after they were all fed and full, night fell come, the next day, the crowds began to look for Jesus, those that he had fed, and they couldn't find him. And what we're going to look at tonight is a dialogue that happens between Jesus and some of those people that were fed. Okay? So let's just pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, we bless the reading of your word. And we bless you, Lord, that you have inspired it for our hearing and for our edification and for our learning. So, Lord, let us learn this thing. And in the process, if you teach us something that we need to know, Lord, just let it let it just lodge deep down in our heart. Let it grow and bear fruit, good fruit, so that we can impact not only our community but the world in Jesus' name. Two verses we'll be centering on is when Jesus knew it himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Next slide, please. Question for you. Have you ever thought about how you get on the wrong side of Jesus? Or have you ever thought about how 
he gets on the wrong side of you. More of the second one, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Getting on the wrong side of Jesus? Jesus is full of love and compassion. Yes, he is. But he's also the God of truth. And he's a God of order. And the whole while Jesus was on earth extending himself to people and sinners. And even when he was making the sacrifice of himself on the cross, he had a standard. You hear me? He had a standard he had to uphold. He was bound by not only who he was, but he was bound by covenant and union with the Father to uphold his standard. Now, the problem comes in in our life is when heaven's standard collides with our ways and our attitudes, okay? And the way we think and the way we feel and the way we respond because we put heaven's command through our filters. And if heaven's command doesn't suit right and match up with our filters, then there's a problem. You know what happens then? Both of those things kind of simultaneously. Because he's not going to change his standard for you. And he's not going to change his standard for me. And sometimes it upsets me just a wee little bit. Now, can you relate to that? But now, let me ask you this question. When I always know I'm in for fun when he gets on the wrong side of me. Because I know I'm fixing to go on a train ride or the woodshed or somewhere and I'm going to have an experience with him that's going to make my life... Ooh, you can insert any words you want to. I'll say miserable. But yet, better in the long run. Okay? Now do y'all have those often? I have at least one a week. I'm serious. I'm telling you. The further I go, the more little experiences like that I have. The further I go in this thing, the more he challenges the way I think and the more he challenges the way I act, the more he challenges the way I speak. And he gets on my wrong side. But when he gets on my wrong side, he's trying to bring out my best side. Maybe a side I don't even know I have. Maybe a side that needs to be cultivated. Okay? And I can tell you here and now, he's done an awful lot of that lately. Now, there are some places in this, in John chapter 6, we're going to look at. We're going to kind of go back a little bit. And we're going to see how all this transpires. You know, and I just left the title over. Next slide, please. I left the side of it. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? We're just going to kind of leave it like that. And we're just simply going to say that, you know, he's got a standard he's going to uphold. And he's not really going to break that for anybody. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? Well, this crowd was operating in their flesh. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that, that remember this is the crowd that he fed the day before now, okay? Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. They were actually going to, by force, by the strength of their numbers and their hands, they were going to make him their king. Just like they could do that. They were operating in their flesh trying to get Jesus to a place that they wanted him to be. Sound familiar? You ever done that? 
It's called kind of manipulation and control to a degree. Which has its roots in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. But anytime we try to manipulate Jesus to get him to do or be what we want him to do or be, it is, we're, I'm telling you, we're headed for the woodshed. Okay, next slide. How do we get on the wrong side of Jesus? By operating in the power of our flesh and pursuing him out of our carnality. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You see, these people were after him, and they were seeking him. And they weren't fooling Jesus at all. He said, you don't seek me because you saw the signs. Now, just stop right here. Charismania 101. Okay, What is the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles? Does anybody want to answer that? Uh, to convict and convince the unbelievers that they might see him, know him, he be revealed to them, and they accept him and worship him and give him honor. Did you know that's the biblical purpose for it all? So therefore, when we play for, pray for signs, wonders, and miracles, the absolute total thrust of that is geared from heaven's purpose, and heaven's plan is to get people saved. Now, okay, I'll go on record as saying I like signs, wonders, and miracles. I like gold dust. I like feathers. I like to see cancers disappear. I like to see depression flee. I like to see people's lives change. I like to be able to pray for somebody and look at their face and know that their change has been made by the divine that they have encountered. Okay? I like it. I should not, however, allow my liking it to circumvent and supplant the number one objective is all that is to get people saved. You see, the feel-good stuff is a side benefit. But I'm telling you here and now, the whole purpose and plan of Jesus can be bound up in the, in the thing that he came to save people who are lost. Everything else is gravy. You see? Everything else is gravy. So Jesus here took issue with them. This is what he took issue with. You're not seeking me for the right purpose. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves that were filled. In other words, the only reason you want to hang out with me is because you know I can multiply food and I can fill your empty belly. I think what? The next chapter, a couple chapters over, Jesus encounters a woman at the well. And now that woman was not hungry, she was thirsty. What did Jesus tell her? Remember? Jesus said, I have, He said, if you knew who I am, you'd ask me and I'd give you living waters, waters that you could drink and never be thirsty again. She said, Lord, give me drink. See, she kind of missed it too. She, she, she got clued in later on. But Jesus came to supply the basic fundamental need that we as humans have, and that is to be saved. Isn't that cool? That's just, you know, all of the gospel is condensed 
in the purpose that Jesus continually expressed and expressed and expressed. He never wavered from it. Everything, I come to do the will of him that sent me. And the will of him that sent me is not that any that is given me should be lost. You see, he came to complete fully a task. And he did that. You're sitting here now because he completed a task. This building is here now because he completed a task. Did you know that if he did not, if he was not victorious on Calvary, this building wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't even be here. God only knows where each of us as individuals would be. I don't even know if the world would be here considering the, the destructive toys that we have at our disposal. I, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. When the first sunrise came up in eternity past and until the last sunrise in the future of this world happens, between those two expanses, the whole total purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ is to save all those that God's given him, to take everyone that comes to him, that falls down on him, that confesses he's Lord and Savior, every single person who believes. It is his sole purpose in life to do that. And he does it through signs, wonders, and miracles. And why in the world would anybody be opposed to that? But yet, there are churches and denominations who build an entire movement behind, well, tongues ceased with the apostles. The gifts died with the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. Died off the scene. You know what? They don't hang with some of the people I hang with. They don't see some of the stuff I've seen. I'm telling you, signs, wonders, and miracles are alive and well. Just because somebody says they're defunct, gone, and no use anymore and disappeared, that don't make it so. And they'll always be here until Jesus comes again. And oh boy, how great is it going to be when we see him coming through the clouds on that white horse snorting fire. (laughs) Wow. And right behind him is all them people that you know and love that's ever embraced him. And there'll be a great reunion. People, that's worth living for. And that's worth believing in. And if one part of it's true, all of it's got to be true, or you can throw the whole thing away. So his whole purpose now, and he was exposing their opposition to his plan and his purpose. Next slide. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? You operate in the power of your flesh. You pursue him out of a carnal passion. And you want his power and not his person. Oh, God. I have dealt with. I'll just say that we have dealt with lots of witches in the past. Do you know know what one telltale thing is you're dealing with a witch? Now, not everybody that, that, that does this is a witch, but... I mean, this is one of the characteristics just come along with the package of that particular example. Paul said this, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. They said, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. You got to know him. You got to seek after knowing him before you covet the power that he has. Besides that, it's his to give who he will anyway. Okay? And he's not going to give a two-year-old a loaded gun. But I'm telling you, these people wanted... 
to do the works of God. They saw him make the bread. What they're asking him here in effect is, show us how to make the bread. Is it something you say? Is it something do you do? Do you wave your hands a particular way? Do you do a dance? Do you flip and turn around? They want to know what the formula was that they could produce bread when they were hungry. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? They wanted his power, not his person. Anytime somebody's wanting Jesus' power, not his person, they're going down the wrong track and you need to let them go. Next slide. Jesus answered them. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? Operate the power of your flesh, pursue him out of carnal passion, want his power, not his person. Unbelief. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. He said, this is the work of God. You believe. You want to know what the work of God is? Believe in me. Of course, of course, they would have none of that. Why did he say believe? Why? This is, you know, none of the answers that you give me be wrong. Why is it, do you think, that it's so important for us to believe? Why, why, why is that so? Give me, some, give me some answers here. Covenant, what else? Shows your faith, what else? Receive it by faith before it's manifested, which is hooked to belief. What else? Why is it so important to believe? You know, I could ask that question all night. We'd have a million different answers. You know what just kept popping in my head the whole time I was looking at this this week? Here's why it's so important to believe. Because if you can believe, all things are possible. Everything wonderful and brilliant and wholesome and great about God that you experience will come after you believe. That doesn't change who he was before you believe, but it changes who you became after you believe. In your state of unbelief, some of you can remember that. In your state of unbelief, would you have wanted to be here? No. Probably not. Well, you might want to have been here maybe because of some of the stuff that would appeal to you, you know. But chances are, right down in here, you wouldn't have wanted to be here. You'd have just soon been somewhere else. But see, you come and you participate and you give your tithes and your offerings. You, you work when it's time to work and you play when it's time to play. You're concerning and you, you, you stay active and there's this, there's, this, there's this duty or this debt and obligation out of sincere love that you have to him to do what you do. Isn't that great? Next slide. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? You start twisting his word. Watch this. This is interesting. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? In other words, what you going to do to make us believe? That was the whole issue. What you going to do to make us believe? See, they missed the signs and wonders already. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. They'd, they were looking at what Moses did all wrong. Moses wasn't the source of the manna that fell every day in the wilderness. God was. And the stuff Jesus gave, he got directly from God. And they had a perverted way of looking at it. It was all wrong. And they were elevating Moses to a place he shouldn't have occupied. So can you begin to see how the, how the, how the lost mind works here? Okay, next slide. How do you get on the wrong side of Jesus? Viewing him on our level. 
And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? We know who you are. We saw you when you were born. We know the street number of the house that you lived in. We saw you fall down and scrape your knee. You went to the synagogue with all the other kids to learn how to, how to, how to, how to read and write Hebrew and learn the Torah. We know who you are. And you say you've come down from heaven? <coughs> they were disjointed in that connection. You know? You see? Watch. Next slide. <laughs> how you get on the wrong side of Jesus? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That was up on the verse when we started now, wasn't it? Oh, but none of us are guilty of that. Let's see what it says here. Uh, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> you know, one of the cool things about Jesus, you don't even have to complain out loud. <laughs> I was a little comic character years ago, the little, the little dog that walked around. Y'all remember who I'm talking I know y'all have seen the cartoon, especially if you have kids. There was this little cartoon character. He complained. He was a little dog, and he complained, and he'd walk around doing that when something didn't go his way. You know? What? Muttley. That was him, Muttley. Wow. Hmm. You got a good memory. Bless him with a good memory, Lord. (laughs) But you see, you know, when I got to this part here in this passage this week, I said, oh my gosh. You know, I am no better than the people who operate in the power of their flesh. I am no different than those who would pursue him out of their carnality. I am no different than the person who wants his power and not his person. I am just as bad as a person who's unbelief. I, 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 it's just as wrong as a person who twists scripture or looks at Jesus the wrong way. I am, on a bad day, a complainer. Sometimes on a good day, I am a complainer. Let that sink in for just a minute. We are listed. We are listed in a list of undesirable characteristics of people. Well, I won't even go there. You can figure that out. Now, how many of y'all going to leave here and complain? What did he say? Help us, Jesus. I am really, 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 really trying my best not to complain anymore. I am really, really, really trying my best not to talk about people anymore. I am really, really, really trying to govern my tongue. But the only problem is, is when I begin to govern my tongue... It, something rises up from down here. Have you ever noticed when you start biting your tongue, it's, it's kind of like a, a, you get backed up? <laughs> Pressure just backs up in there? Have you ever noticed that? I didn't say that would be ugly. I'm just, you know, you know what I mean. But you just, 
the stuff that until you deal with the stuff that rumbles, you're no better off. Until I deal with the core of my murmuring, my complaining, my unruly tongue, and my untempered thoughts, the more I let it come out here, you know, if I try to clamp down on that, it's, unless, unless, I, unless I start to work on the inside, man, I'll pop my cork. I want to encourage you to do something. The next time you feel a complaint, the next time you think a complaint, just stop just a minute. Just, just laugh. Just, just laugh. <laughs> I remember what he said. Stop. Stop and laugh. Okay, next slide. Okay. Um, Jesus turned to the twelve and he said, Do you also want to go away? Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Next slide. You see, this whole thing is not about then, and it's not about tomorrow. This whole thing is about right now, today. The reality of today is, I have the opportunity to bail out. Oh. I have the opportunity to quit. I have the opportunity to walk out that door and you never see me again. I have the opportunity to close my Bible and my laptop and never once again preach or teach. I have the opportunity to go out of this place and shut my heart up and never love anybody again because somebody may have hurt me. I have the opportunity. I'm telling you, Jesus asked the question. He said, are you two going away? Did you know he is so secure in who he is, he don't mind asking that question to people who are ready to walk? Let me ask you a question. Have you been ready to walk the past year? Only once? Have you been ready to walk twice? Only twice? I'm telling you just, I'm telling you the truth as I know it. You know, I'm in contact with most of you all the time. And at any given moment, at any given moment, some of us is ready to take him up on that offer. But you know what? You ain't done it yet. And I don't really expect you to. You know why? Next slide. Because you, like Peter, have realized that the only thing you need is Jesus. The only thing you need is one word that proceeds from his mouth. The only thing you need is one expression of his feeling toward you. The only thing you need is one utterance of his heart concerning the world. The only thing you need is one glimpse, one little vision of him coming in the clouds with great glory. Just all you need is one thing and you're good to go. You remember the angel fed Elijah in the wilderness and off that one meal he had the strength to go for 40 days? That's the way it is when God feeds you. Just give me a little bit and I'm good to go. (laughs) Just every once in a while, pat me on the head and tell me I'm doing a good job and I'll knock myself out. But you know what the thing is, is that y'all don't have nowhere else to go. I don't have anywhere else to go. Where else am I going to go? Well, they won't take me down at the lodge. 
Probably. Um, they won't take me down at the bar. Um, there's lots of places they won't have me because I can't turn loose of Jesus. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Maybe there wouldn't be quite as many bars if some Christians went in and did a little evangelizing. But it's got to be a strong Christian. Okay? So when I call out the names of these places that would be on the other side of this thing, I'm simply telling you this, is that Jesus wouldn't be afraid to go there. Because, see, he wasn't afraid to go wherever he had to go to to get me or you. But I don't have my pleasure in a bar anymore. There's people there who need to be saved. And I, have, I make no qualms about going and getting a meal at a place where they serve alcoholic beverages. Matter of fact, them places have some of the best steaks and seafood in town. Why would I want to deny them the pleasure of feeding me the best seafood and steaks in town when I can also have the opportunity to witness to somebody? I won't tell you what I have found this year. I have found that in the worst conceivable state and position I'm in, there's always been somebody there to witness to. Every single time. And I could give you one example that would just knock your socks off. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. I'll do it in private, but I'm not going to do it with them watching. See, y'all got to come here to get the secrets, you know. But anyway, next slide. It's about today. I have come a little too far to turn back now because Peter said, also we have come to believe and to know that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I'm, I, I've got some foolishness left in me every once in a while, but I'm telling you something right now. I've come to know and believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can take all of my foolishness and all of my whatever, and you can take it for whatever it's worth, but I'm telling you here now, I've come to know and believe because I would not have lasted this long in this life if he were not who he says he is and if he didn't deliver the goods. See, Jesus will deliver the goods. Next slide. Best thing about today is that Jesus has picked you anyway. <laughs> Boy, that took a load off me. He's, he's picked you anyway. He, he, said, he said, did I not choose you? Before there was a world, before there were angels, before there was a creation, before there was anything, at the moment when there was just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, they got together and had a discussion one day, and Jesus said, I want all of them. This is the plan. I want all of them. And he picked you out of the whole lot of humanity, just like you were before you knew him. When you were the most unappealing, the most distressed, the most despicable, the most unloving person that could be imagined. He picked you. And he picked me. And the best thing about today is, with all my stuff, he chose me. How many of you have ever been the last person picked on a softball team or a basketball team or a pickup football game? Boy, that feels good, doesn't it? Well, you know what the good thing about the household of God is? He picked us all at the same time. 
There was not, there was not the first one and there was not the last. It was, it was all or nothing. You were on the front row. Matter of fact, you were the first one. And he's not changed his mind. Next slide. You're needed. You're needed. Jesus had something for these men to do. He's got something for you to do. What is it? We're here to help you find that. Next slide. You are wanted. Now, I, I tried to get a most wanted picture to put up here, but I couldn't find one. So, you know, um, you can just imagine that, okay? There's a big most wanted poster up there, and your name's right on it, okay? And you're loved. Last slide, you're loved. that make you feel better? Hey, made my day. Jesus is not going to let you go anywhere. He's going to take you in the circumstance of your life. Most of you, he's going to take you in the circumstance you've been delivered from recently. And he's going to go on with business with you. Now, I can't think of anything better for me to think of as this new year launches out. See, it gives you a whole new perspective on things. This is what Jesus is all about. I've chose you. I've picked you as mine. You're my beloved. I'll not leave you or forsake you. Whatever you need, ask in my name and I'll give it. Nobody else can make that promise and do good on it but Jesus. He's the only one. So where does that leave us? Well, I hope, it's, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're blessed. I hope that if you've been hurting tonight, I hope it makes you feel better. But more than that, if you're lost here tonight and you need Jesus, I hope you find him. I hope you find him because that's what he came to do.